this morning we want to continue our look at the words that Jesus spoke from the cross. And obviously these would have been the last words that he spoke uh, before he left. Now we know he came back and he spent some 40 days with his disciples post-death, post-resurrection. But part the, the, uh, this is the last of his natural life and the things that, that he would say on the cross. And so uh, we just, just kind of in review or looking forward, uh, just kind of overview of that is, Father, forgive them for they know what they do. Jeremy spoke about that. And then uh, Trevor talked about last week about woman. Here is your son and here is your mother. And then there's one coming that'll be that I am thirsty. And then, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? It is finished. Uh, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Uh, today, the one we're going to talk about is uh, today you shall be with me in paradise. And those of you that to know the story will remember that specifically he is addressing one of the thieves, one of the criminals that was with him there on the cross. Um, I would just say that if you think about, think about crucifixion, um, that to speak while you're being crucified would be an incredibly difficult and painful thing to do. Uh, I heard a guy once say that, uh, that it would be impossible to speak. Now, first of all, assuming that this person's right, and I don't, don't accept that, it would be nothing for God to suspend the laws of nature and allow these conversations to occur. Uh, one that could bring Jesus back from the dead, one that could raise Lazarus from the dead, one that could do all the miracles that Jesus performed, it would be nothing for him to suspend the laws of nature to allow him to speak this word, these words if that were necessary. But um, I suspect that it's more likely that it would just be incredibly painful to do. Because as I understand crucifixion, it was a brilliantly cruel way to put somebody to death. Because you're hanging there and you've got these nails in your hands and in your feet, and that's causing a tearing. But to get to a position of, I wouldn't say comfort, but of minimal pain, you would probably want to be as relaxed as you could. But the problem with that is you couldn't breathe. And so you, you wouldn't be able to breathe in that position. And so the, the, the one that was being crucified was in this constant battle of finding a place to be out of torment, out of pain, but then can't breathe, and so they have to pull themselves up. And if they, as they pull themselves up, then you have additional tearing. And so uh, this back and forth was crucifixion. And it was a horrible, horrible way to, to, to go. You know, you can think about God's love for man. And he could have picked a lot of different times to send his son to the earth. That the, the death that, they, that would have been imposed upon him would have been a lot less painful. I think it's a manifestation of the love that he has for his people that he sent Jesus to go through what this was. So if you don't get anything else from the lesson this morning but this is I want you to understand that choices have consequences. Choices always have consequences. And there are some things that that are that are binary. In other words, you choose this road or you choose that road. And there's no in between. You have to choose a path. 
And that's the case of our friend up here that's looking at these two paths. And we recognize as these paths veer off, as he takes one path, he's, as he goes down that path farther and farther and farther, he's going to get a greater distance away from where he would have been had he had chosen the other path. The other thing is, is that sometimes you have to make a choice. You know, sometimes in life we can take a pass on things and just not choose to, to choose. We just, we don't choose. But sometimes you're forced to. I think of, uh, if you ever fill out any of those forms, you know, like uh, Amber sent us when we were doing the, the meals up here uh, where we were ordering. Uh, there are some things that you have the little red asterisk on that Google form, and that means you got to make a selection. The, it won't let you submit until you fill out that portion. Other items, you, you, don't have to, you don't necessarily have to select. So some things, sometimes choices are binary, sometimes they're not. Sometimes choices are mandatory, you have to make a choice. And I think we're going to see this morning that to not make a choice is to make a choice. You don't, if you choose to pass on the choice, you're making a choice. And that choice does not turn out well uh, for people that do that. Uh, in essence, for Christianity, there are two things, really. One, you choose to trust in God, or you choose to trust in something else. You choose to trust in God, or you choose to trust in something else. And, and I think we're going to see that that's the case as we look at examples in the Bible. And, uh, you know, I, I thought, well, what would be a great Bible story to illustrate this uh, choices have consequences? And I got to thinking, all of them. All of them. There's not a story where somebody, where it involves a person that they don't have a choice that's before them and they got to make that choice. You think about Abraham. He had a choice. Am I going to take this son that God promised me and take him up there to, to offer him as a sacrifice? He had to make a choice. Am I going to obey God or am I going to trust my own think-sos? Uh, I think another great example is the contrast between Saul, King Saul, and David. Now, King Saul, if you remember, was the first king of Israel. And God told him in, he, he looked at these people, they were the Amalekites, and he said to, God said to Saul, I want you to go into the Amalekites, and I want you to completely wipe them out, utterly destroy them. They were a wicked and evil people. And God wanted them eradicated from the earth. And that was instru his instructions to Saul. But did Saul do that? No, Saul used his own judgment, and he said, well, I'm going to spare the king, and I'm going to take the best of his livestock. And then when he was questioned about it, he said, well, I'm going to offer those things for a sacrifice to God. And Samuel told him that it's better to obey than to sacrifice. You see what he did? He used his own judgment. He trusted in something else himself rather than trusting in God. And the result uh, was he, en he ended up being kicked off the throne. And then there was King David. And David, uh, as a young boy even, saw this giant that was this Philistine that was, that was Goliath that no one wanted to fight. And David's, how dare they send this guy out here to defy the army of the living God? And he goes out and takes him on and kills him. 
not because of his own abilities, but because he had a trust in God. You trust in God or you trust in something else. So let's look at our story quickly today. He says, or there were also two others, criminals, led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they, cru they crucified him and the criminals, the one on the right hand and the other on the left. And so we skip down to verse 39. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing that you are under the same condemnation? If you look in Matthew, the Matthew's version of this uh, is Matthew is describing the general uh, atmosphere there at the crucifixion, and he talks about the rulers, he talks about the people, he talks about the Roman soldiers. And they were all casting uh, disparaging remarks at Jesus, basically mocking him. And they said that the, the thieves also that were hung there with him also mocked him. And so he doesn't delineate between one thief that, that says, um, why don't you save us, which was, again, that was just mocking him, and the other thief, which, which is going to come in and he's going he's to take the position that, uh, that's a, one of faith in Jesus. But, and I've heard it said that the reason that what happened is is that this, this second thief decided that uh, he was wrong and he repented right there on the cross. I don't believe that's the case. I believe if you look at what, what is the mission of the Gospel of Matthew, the mission of Matthew was to show that Jesus was the King of the Jews. That, that's, that's the general tenet of the book of Matthew. That's why it was written, to show that that was true. And so the writer wouldn't be worried about his relationship with this one thief that happened to be uh, sympathetic to Jesus' position, but rather he would, he would catch the general tenet of, the, of, the, uh, of that atmosphere of the whole experience, which included the, the chief priest and the scribe, all those people that said, here's your king, and now you, you set him out to be crucified. And so this second thief, um, he says, but the other answer rebuked him, saying, do you not even fear God, seeing that you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, assuredly, I say unto you, today you will be with me in paradise. So you contrast these two thieves, and again, choices have consequences. And the one thief chooses to mock, and the other, chief, uh, the other thief chooses to uh, put his confidence in Jesus. You put, you put your trust in God, or you put your trust in something else. The first criminal, he put his trust in the people, and siding with them, perhaps he thought that if he did that, he would uh, receive some type of um, uh, reward or maybe someone would come to his rescue. I don't know. But 
uh, he doesn't side with, with the Lord. And so the second one, uh, he does. Some have used this as an ex to say that uh, baptism was not essential. So, uh, and I've got, I'm going to ask Michael to do a little bit on that this afternoon. The idea that you know, there's people that would say that, well, uh, here's this thief on the cross. What about him? He wasn't baptized. Uh, first of all, how do we know that? Uh, Michael will get into that a little bit deeper this afternoon. But um, chances are very strong that he was baptized. And even if he wasn't, Jesus had the power to do what he wanted on the cross. And this is before the New Testament would come into effect because he, wasn't, uh, he hadn't died yet. So uh, just real quickly, so uh, just uh, the place of the dead. So where is paradise? What happened when, when, when Jesus died and when these others died? Well, uh, most, in, in most uh, thinking, the idea is that when you die, you go to heaven or go to hell. And the reality is, is probably there's, a, there's this place called Hades or Sheol, which is a place of the dead. It's also called the grave. And we'll get into that a little bit more this afternoon. I don't spend a lot of time there this, this morning. But the idea, again, is about choice. You have choices, and choices have consequences. And that great gulf that's fixed between these two choices. Uh, Luke chapter 16 talks about a man called Lazarus and there was a rich man. And Lazarus died, and he was carried to Abraham's bosom. He went to this place called Paradise, and he was there. And, but the rich man, it says of him, it says, in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. The reason I bring this up this morning is because there are a lot of people in the world that believe that you're either going to receive a reward and you're going to go to heaven and you're going to be with God or there'll just be nothingness. That you'll have no consciousness and you'll just be dead and you'll be gone and, and your soul will have no... It'll, it'll, you'll just be gone. But that does not... I, I can't find that substantiated in Scripture. There are people that say, well, God is just too kind and too caring and too loving. He wouldn't sentence us to a death he wouldn't sentence us to this kind of punishment. But if you, look at, you, if you look at the scriptures, God is a loving God. But he's also a severe God. And there's one thing he can't do, and that is lie. He can't tell us. So if he is portraying a picture for us in the here and now about this, this rich man lifting up his eyes, being in torment, and asking Father Abraham, send Lazarus over here that he can just dip, the get, dip my tongue in cool water because I'm in torment. He just got there. And he was miserable. And that misery would be forever. So I want you to think about the cross and how horrible of a death that would be. Now, I have no idea what demise I will ultimately face. Most, all of us don't. We don't know how we will pass from this earth. But probably none of us will die this cruel of death. Now, it's possible, but it's unlikely that we would die this cruel of death. 
But Jesus did that. Now, that, that was a cruel death. And again, we don't picture ourselves going through anything like that. Or at least I don't. But I want you to consider which is worse, that or eternity in torment? Eternity in, in torment. Choices have consequences. And when it comes to dealing with the living God, those consequences are quite severe. If you don't believe me, believe the words of Jesus. And he said, do not fear those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. That was, that was what Jesus said. So he says that this is going to be worse than that. And yet we know how horrible that was. So again, I want us to, to understand the gravity of the decision that we make in the life that we choose to live. That, that choices have consequences. And when it comes to dealing with God, those consequences are severe. And they will take us in two dramatically different directions. And it's important that we make the right choices. So, a question I just asked for you. Why do you think that this story is included? You know, it's in, uh, in John 21, it says, And there are many things which Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that were written. Why the story about the two thieves on the cross? Why is this one particularly included? We're the thief. That's us. That's you and that's me. We are there because of our own sin. We are worthy of death because the wages of sin is death. And so we put ourselves on that cross. And there's only one way out. And that's a, that's a trust in the Lord. You know, Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said that. The Apostle Paul said this, and you remember that Paul, he gave up a tremendous amount in this life to turn and serve Jesus. And you know what he said? He said, I'm persuaded for whom I have believed and I, I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. You know what that means? It means I have total confidence in the bet that I am placing. I'm placing a bet of my soul, and I 100% believe and have confidence that those things that I've committed to him, he will repay. And I believe that. So again, you trust God or you trust something else. You think about all the, the different paths that people take. There's the atheist in the world, the, the non-believer. I don't believe there is a God. There's the agnostic, and this is your, your non-chooser. I just can't tell. I don't have enough evidence. And so because I don't have enough evidence, I'm not going to make a decision until I have enough evidence. The agnostic, the Hindu, the, the Muslim, the Buddhist, 
the humanist, people that are involved in adultery, fornication, uncleanness, so whatever the list you want to make. Uh, it says in Galatians 5 that and those the people that do these kind of things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Won't inherit his kingdom. So trust in God or trust something else. And the small group that ultimately would be saved are those that are the followers of Jesus. To be a follower of, of Jesus, not only by, by obeying his gospel, and we'll talk about that here in a minute, but following him in, in the things that we do daily in life. Paul or Peter put it this way, Therefore, to you that, who believe, he is precious. Is, is Jesus precious to you? Is he important to you? To you that believe, if you really believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they were also appointed. They rejected it. So Jesus is the stumbling stone to much of the world because they won't, they won't accept him. They won't accept him as their Lord and Savior, either by their words or by their actions. So how do we choose? If we're committed this morning, if we've, if we've heard the sermon so far, and we understand that there are gravity in these consequences that we, that we choose, then how do we know that we're choosing Jesus? Well, simple review of the gospel plan of salvation. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Everything else I'm going to use Jesus' words. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You ever think about that it's important that people hear? You know, that there's a there's a group of, of people, of religious people, who believe that God will just come to you and just when he's ready to bring you into his kingdom, he will just come to you and he will speak to you directly and, and you just respond at his, at his call that way. But that's not, that's not what we see in the New Testament is tremendous efforts went forth from all of these men, from the Apostle Paul, from Peter, and so forth. All these men went about to spread the gospel because that's the way people were going to hear it. So first of all, one has to hear before they can obey. Second of all, you've got to believe it. Probably the most famous scripture uh, that, that most people know, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's a promise. So you believe, so you have to believe. Then you have to repent. I tell you that no, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Repentance means that you recognize that your sins were wrong and you turn from them. Now there are a lot of people, there are a lot of people that will acknowledge their sins are wrong, but they keep on doing it. And they're really not making any effort to do any better. They continue to, to commit the same sin over and over without even trying to resist and do better. That's not repentance. But so we are to repent. Next we are to confess. 
Therefore, whosoever confesses me before men, him will I also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whosoever denies me before men, him will I also deny before my Father who is in heaven. You can't be ashamed of Jesus and be one of his disciples. And then finally, who, he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he that, that does not believe will be condemned. One has to be baptized. You know, in, in uh, uh, 1 Peter and in, in chapter 3, it talks about a comparison between uh, uh, Noah and the days of Noah and the destruction of the world then, and that those people were saved. He says, The light figure whereunto even baptism doth now also save us. Baptism saves you. Baptism puts you into Christ, as it says in Galatians chapter 3. In Romans chapter 6, it shows a comparison between Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection to baptism. Baptism is the way that we accept that death, burial, and resurrection. And what do we do? We rise to walk in newness of life. So again this morning, I would encourage you to uh, consider your life. Consider yourself day to day. Choices have consequences. Where do you put your trust? You put your trust in Jesus, put your trust in something else. Most of the world is going to put their trust in something else. They're going to put them, their trust in themselves. They're going to put them, their trust in uh, man's wisdom. They're going, to do all, they're going to do all kinds of things but accept the Lord. And so uh, the other question I'd have is, are we just a Sunday Christian? Or do we live that way? Where Jesus is central to our lives and we, and we commit ourselves each day to live the way that he would have us to live. Let's understand that, that choices do have consequences and when you're dealing with God, those consequences are, are severe. They're drastically uh, different from, from, from eternal salvation all the way to an eternal torment. This morning, uh, we're going to offer a song of invitation. If the church can assist you in any way, uh, we would ask you to come as we stand and sing the song together.